Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 13. Verse 1 to verse 22. The story we're about to read is a very difficult story. Now it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill for she was a virgin. And it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. But Abdon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He said to him, O son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Then Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat and let her prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, King, please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat it in her hand. Then David sent to the house for Tamar, saying, go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and he was lying down and she took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. She took the pan and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made out and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. When she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, no, my brother. Do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disrespectful thing, disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not listen to her. Since he was stronger than she He violated her and lay with her. He raped her. Verse 15. And Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. For the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up, go away. Let me narrate the rest of the story. 
David finally got to hear about this story. But David did nothing. What a story. I mean, why is this in the Bible in the first place? It's terrible. Amnon's rape of his half-sister Tamar. This is part of King David's family story. This same man whom the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. This same man who was a mighty king whom we know his exploits in his young days of killing Goliath. This is the same man who was a psalmist who worshipped before God. But his story and his family is something that is not very good to listen to. It's not a good episode. Yet God in his wisdom made sure that this account of a rape and family violence comes before us so that we all face its ugliness. Although this happened in the old patriarchal context and comprised of this ruthless competition within the royal dynasty, this story exposes to us the dynamics of sexualized violence and abuse that affects lives in our families, in our church today, and even in our communities. This account that is part of the Bible reminds us of the cries and the pain of people who have been violated in this way. There are those who've survived, those who've recovered, those who've been healed, but my goodness, they were violated. Just like it happened in Tamar's case, after she was brutally raped, she put ash on her head She tore her garments. She cried out loud. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what shapes our ministry today. This is why we have a service like this today. And this is why we are are launching this program today. It's because there are so many tamers that we have in our churches, in our society. But in the same way, there are so many unknowns that we have in our churches and in our societies. See, this started in the house of David who had many wives. Ahinoam. It was David's first wife, the mother of Amnon, who was David's firstborn, the crown prince of Israel. But then David had Maaka, another wife, who was the mother of Absalom, David's favorite son, and the mother of Tamar. So Absalom and Tamar were brother and sister, but she was related very much to Amnon. But there was also Michael, daughter of King Saul, Abigail, the widow of Nabal. Three more wives from Jerusalem, the Bible tells us. He had a crowd of concubines and, and had the wife that he took through last deception and lethal force by the name of Bathsheba. So the story of King David really is a story where it's a family and there are things that happened in his home. Where David set a wrong path as a leader. And what he did about Bathsheba and the way he killed Bathsheba's husband precedes the story of Amnon raping his half-sister Tamar. So in broad stroke, it just gives us that Bible message like father, like son. So in this episode with Amnon and Tamar, Amnon requests for a meal, but he knows that this is simply a pretext for taking sexual advantage. Tamar, knowing that this is my brother, I mean, what else could my brother do? She dutifully tries to care for the sick brother. 
But then she's manipulated and her care is used against her. I mean, the ethics of serving a meal and caring for a sick brother are good, but when something like this is done to you, those ethics get eroded forever. Amnon, on the other hand, is consumed by lust. This man is consumed by entitlement. This man is filled with poison. And he ends up becoming a toxic and violent weapon and uses rape as that. He uses his own body against his sister. And then his lust turns from loathing to hate and he drives Tamar out. We can't turn our eyes off this. It's a story of sexualized violence. It's a story of child abuse. It's a story that we hear about every day on our news and we read every day about it on our newspapers. Let's summarize it in a few points. First of all, we see a story of friendships between men, Amnon and Jonadab, who object Jonadab, who objectify women. And they create a culture in which rape becomes thinkable and actionable. Jonadab, who by the way, was the first cousin of Amnon and Tamar, Tamar is, not, is not an innocent bystander. He didn't suggest rape. But he advises, he advises Amnon to be deceiving. He gets the king Amnon to be deceiving in getting permission to be alone with Tamar. He is looking for a situation where he can exercise his power. I heard a story recently, and I won't go into more details about that, of a group of young people from university who on one of the weekends decided to drive to another province. Three girls and two boys, I believe it was. When they got to this province, there was a huge party there. Many young people who were there at this party. Lots of booze, lots of alcohol, lots of all kinds of things. They partied their hearts out, these girls. And to their utter shock, one of their friends, the third girl, went missing. They didn't know where she was. They looked for her for hours and hours till the early hours of the morning and they couldn't find her. Finally, they told these boys that, you know, uh, we are missing so and so. And the boys said, listen, we have made up our minds to go back to Johannesburg. They said, but we can't leave her behind. They said, well, you'll see to finish. Jumped into their car, drove back to Johannesburg. These young girls in absolute horror, fear and shame, looked for their friend, finally found her in an abandoned car. When they found her, it was quite obvious that she had been raped. And when they talked to her, she couldn't really remember fully what happened. What she does remember, she remembers somebody giving her something to drink. And probably it's something that must have been spiked and probably knocked her out. And when she was out, that's what they did to this girl, these guys. They took advantage of her. It's a sad thing that men can do these kinds of things. I believe as men, we can stop rape. I believe as men, we can create a culture free from sexual assault. Even if you didn't participate in the act, I believe you should do what the friend did here. You should interrupt risky situations. And help women who may be targets of sexual abuse. According to the Bible, Amnon 
is responsible for this crime, but Jonadab is implicated too. Men cannot be bystanders when their male friends are consumed with lust or acting as if they are entitled to sexual dominance over women and girls. We can't be quiet, guys, gentlemen. We cannot be quiet when we people talk jocularly about these kinds of things. We need to be a different kind of men. Can I hear an amen in the house? Number two, we note from this story that sexual abuse happens in all kinds of families. David's family was a royal family. It says, now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. Watch. One of the greatest myths we must overcome regarding sexual abuse is that it only happens in other families, in other churches, or in other races. The fact is, we are all sinners. The fact is, we all have the capacity to allow our sexuality to become abusive. You would have thought that it couldn't happen in a royal family. And furthermore, you would have thought that the sexual abuser could not be Amnon, the royal prince, the one who would succeed David on the throne. You would think that the beautiful royal princess Tamar could not be the victim of abuse. But she was. She was abused. Because abuse happens in all kinds of families. As a matter of fact, statistics reveal that about 80% of women who report sexual assaults know they are perpetrators. Also, more than 8 out of 10 children who are sexually abused know they are abuser. So, we should never think this doesn't happen. It happens everywhere. Number three, we note in this story that in abusive families, the victim is made responsible. Let me read this to you. In 2 Samuel 13 from verse 2, it says, Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. She was beautiful and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. So in other words, this guy is blaming the fact that she's beautiful. He's blaming her kanga, her short skirt, her smile. And he's saying, well... I cannot resist. He wants to pretend that he didn't hear when she said no. Though Tamar was beautiful, though Tamar knew Amnon, though Tamar prepared food for her, for him, though Tamar went to his bedside, this was not Tamar's fault. No means no. Women have the right to consent. And consent cannot be given by girls who are underage or by women who are drugged or intoxicated or fearing for their safety. That's not consent at all. Oh yeah, I think you should do that. I know, maybe it will help us relieve a bit. But we can't blame it on the victim, guys. We can walk away. We can treat her with respect. Number four, in sexually abusive families, the truth is ignored. It's very surprising that when Amnon came to David and asked to be alone with Tamar, David never probed even more. That this guy who was pretending to be ill, 
David never asked. David just in, like he's blindfolded, he just ordered this girl to go into Amnon's bedroom. When you read this, you would think maybe no, maybe David just overlooked that. But all the information regarding David, even after the incident and his response to Tamar, you come to the conclusion that this was a man who's not involved. Because David's subsequent actions after Tamar's rape confirm that he didn't protect her because he didn't want to know the truth. After the rape, when Amnon's actions was, became public knowledge, David did absolutely nothing. See, when we become silent in the face of abuse and assault and rape, we become accomplices. If when we see all the signs presenting themselves and we don't do something, we become accomplices. His silence shouts in this biblical account. There's no indication even after she was raped that David consoled Tamar. No indication that he cautioned Absalom. No indication that he punished Amnon. This man is silent. He doesn't ask because he somehow doesn't want to know. I know this kinds of someone may be very difficult, but I don't want us to throw this thing in the back and act like it's not there. You've got to face it and deal with it. And if it is in your home, if you know somebody who has done it, it's time for you to take action. Time for you to take action. Yeah, I need more of that. I need more of that. Come on. Number five, we know that sexual abusers use force and a manipulation against their victim. It says there in verse eight, Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house where he was lying down and she took dough, made cakes, brought it to him. Amnon said, send everyone out. Told her to bring the food into the chamber. Tamar takes the food there. But when she brought it, Amnon says, come lie with me, my sister. What a tragedy. It's my sister. It's amazing that the use of the word my sister, he never used it before. How come this time, Amnon, she's your sister? And she answers, no, my brother, don't violate me. Such a thing is not done in Israel. As for me, where could I carry my shame? As for you, you would be like an outrageous fool. But the Bible says, he wouldn't listen to her. And being stronger than her, he violated her, raped her. Amnon had calculated this when he sent out the servants and gained private access to Tamar. And when that happened, he wasted no time pretending to be a bedridden invalid. He grabbed Tamar and lutely demanded sex. The language used there where it says he lay with her, it's an abusive, it talks about an abusive use of physical force to hold Tamar against her will. It's used many times of Jew Jewish soldiers when they seize the enemy by the head so that they could stab the enemy to death. That's what he did. He uses this brutality to destroy this girl. This highlights the fact that rape victims and other types of abuse victims should not be blamed for what happened to them. 
And for us to know that sexual abusers use force to get their sordid way, be it physical, emotional blackmail, verbal threats, intimidation, calculated emotional manipulation to hold their victims against their will so they can abuse them. It's important to recognize that abusers use a wide range of behaviors other than mere physical force to seize and hold their victims. They use all kinds of things, money, they use their resources, they lie, they demand, they call you my sister, they use nice words. For Tamar's sister would have been a term of endearment. But in this state, it became a term of violation, defilement, contempt, and even abandonment. And so we need to understand the force that these people use. And we shouldn't think twice, but go to the law and let the law deal with them. Number six, sexual abuse victims are shamed, blamed, and demeaned. It says that Amnon hated her even more. Because you see, rape is not about love. Rape is about hate. It says he hated her with a great hatred. So that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which she loved her. And after raping her, he says to her, after raping her, this is what he says, Get up, go. See, his abusive behavior did not stop the rape. After his lust was satisfied, hatred welled up in his heart. And he orders Tamar to get up, to go away. Almost like, contain yourself. Act like it didn't happen. Not only do sexual abusers shame, blame, and demean their victims, but often families and communities do the same. When we don't understand the pain of those who have been abused. When we say things like, why didn't you just walk away? Why didn't you just fight him off? Why are you still crying even today? It only happened 10 years ago. It's easier for us to blame the victim than the perpetrator. But we need to understand how painful this can be. Number seven, when the sexual abuser is a family member. Sometimes... Families resort to a strict code of silence. So it was in the case of David. Tamar was so hurt, she put ashes on her head, tore her robe, cried out loud. But her brother Absalom saw her and said, Emnon, what's going on? And said, Tamar, what's going on? And she told the brother. And I tell you, In Absalom's heart, he became angry. So angry was he that the Bible says when he meant Amnon, he neither spoke good or evil to him. So angry was he that from that day, he started plotting to kill this guy. So angry that he told the sister, my sister, hold your peace. Don't say anymore. But for Tamar, from that day, she lived with the shame. She lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Emma was a woman grief-stricken. But Absalom says, I'm going to get even. 
See, we mustn't keep quiet with these things because being quiet doesn't mean it will evaporate or go away. It will spark all kinds of feelings and emotions in the home. It will tear a home apart. Keeping quiet about the abuse brings more complications in the family. For many years, many families close ranks and they maintain the stricted code of conduct because they say, what will people say? It may be because of culture. It may be because of they're afraid if we talk, what will the law do? It may be what will our social standing be if people get to find out this is what's happening in our family. And so often, sometimes even family members find it difficult to fully believe that I was In other instances, the abuser has so much power on other family members that they bring fear on them of consequences. More so if the person is held in high esteem. So for a variety of reasons, families place tremendous and, 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 and implicit pressure on the victims to sit on the matter and not talk about it. This conspiracy of silence is one most characteristic Barcelona in abusive families. And we see it in many places today. We've got to bring these things out. We've got to tell the story. We see this in churches. You've seen some cases where churches, many years later, victims bring cases about men of the cloth who did things, even if these things were known, even if these things were known, people closed ranks. The issue of closing rank must never happen. We've got to deal with these things. And I want to say, Bazalana, if in this church, any pastor has ever done this, we're not going to close ranks. If the story is true, and it can be verified, we'll do something about it. And so let's conclude with the following points. Number one, please speak up. God calls us to speak up when we have knowledge, even suspicion of abuse. If you see something, if you hear something that troubles you, don't just overlook it. Contact a pastor at the church, a counselor at the church. In some instances, the law enforcement. If you've been abused, if someone has done things sexually to you that made you feel uncomfortable, if they did things against your will, if you were a minor and an adult did something to you sexually, regardless, please find a safe person. Speak to them. Speak to us as pastors, as counselors, as school teachers, as professionals. Number two, let's stop blaming the victim, please. Victims are not the guilty ones. We mustn't condemn the victims. Women didn't ask to be raped. Children didn't ask to be raped. And please, if you're a victim, please don't blame yourself. There's never an excuse to sexually violate another person. It doesn't matter what they were wearing. Doesn't matter. People can walk away. We read about it in the Bible. Joseph walked away. 
He was being asked. He was being requested. It wasn't even rape. There was consent. He decided to say no. People have the power to choose. Yeah. No, the devil didn't make you do it. We make the choice. When an adult uses their power to exploit a minor for their own sexual gratification by sexual contact or exposure, this is evil. It isn't the victim's fault. And finally, we want to look to Jesus who can rewrite our story. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus can feel your pain. He's the one who in every respect, the Bible says, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Then it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. The writer of Hebrews tells us we can run to Jesus. We can turn to Jesus. He's sympathetic. You as a victim, Jesus knows your pain. Jesus wants to embrace you. What about feeling of guilt? What about feeling of being violated? What about feeling of being defiled? Jesus can take it away. Whatever harmful experience, Jesus can take it away. Jesus died the physical death of the cross, abused himself. He experienced horrible verbal abuse on the cross. He understands abuse. He was crucified naked in front of a mocking crowd. He was abused. He understands. He cares for you. Look to Jesus for strength. Look to Jesus for strength. Look to Jesus for strength. Our sad story can always be changed because as we read further that story, we find that Absalom later conceived and got a child and named that child Tamar. Very interesting. Her sister Tamar had been traumatized, had been uncovered, had been violated. And she ends up in sorrow, in shame. But later on, Absalom gets a child and names that child Tamar. And when you read, you find this Tamar is connected with Deborah and associated with Deborah who became a judge. Very interesting that another Tamar came who brought justice. In fact, the name Tamar means palm tree, a symbol of justice. Particularly in this instance, justice that women require, but also justice that was created by women. Somehow God knows how to turn around a sad story. Allow God to heal you and rewrite the story of your life. And that you also can be an activist who can bring justice. 
For first Tamar, justice was denied. But for the next generation, Tamar, she became a symbol of justice itself. But it's good that the first Tamar refused to be silent. She became the hope of generations that are to follow concerning sexual violence. And if you are the perpetrator, like we saw in the life of Kuzwai, God can change your life. No matter what your story is, God can change your life. We are available to talk. We are available to journey. We are available to introduce you to the one who can bring restoration in your life. The power is in your hands. Difficult as the path may be ahead of you, it's a path that's doable because God can help. Because we know he's the only one who brings healing, soundness, and wholeness in our lives. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Bonam sunam ufile cheso naka Just join him.